0: So, Caroline, um, Ben wants to hear your 30 second review of Jose Mourinho. He's a piece of garbage, and I feel like he has a bad haircut.
1: Is Gascoigne gonna have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Fleck, and Krinsman is in lost under his feet, and it's from the I've seen it all now. I've
0: seen it all. Welcome back to the internet's most dangerous Tottenham Hotspur podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and I am joined by my usual co-host Ben Daniels and Brian Ashlock today. Before we get into what is not an exciting Tottenham Hotspur match or matches to talk about. Uh, a little bit of podcast business. Please follow us on our not-so-new Twitter feed, at WDR Podcast on Twitter. That's WDR, as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. And please leave us a review on iTunes. we make it five stars. I feel like Spurs, some Spurs fans should have something to feel good about, so why don't you make us feel good and leave us a nice review that says how positive we are and how we uplift your spirits every week. But yeah, on that note, uh, let's talk about some really depressing Spurs matches. Uh, Spurs lost on the weekend... To Brighton, Uh, I think it was 1-0. Honestly, it's all kind of a blur. It feels like a night in Vegas or something. Um, And we lost today to Chelsea 1-0, so there's a pattern going on here. Uh, I feel like these games are all of a piece. Um, We were talking a little bit before the show, uh, before my wife's piercing analysis uh, of Jose Mourinho. I think that uh, the real story of these two games is I feel like this is where... We've really reached a turning point in terms of the way that Spurs fans, the media, mainstream soccer people are talking about Mourinho. I think Mourinho getting fired is very much on the table in a way that it maybe wasn't a week ago. Uh, Brian, I just you're, you're less of a Mourinho hater than Ben, so I just want to start with your opinion on this.
2: So I think that the Brighton match is really the turning point because I think with a decent result in, at Brighton, the Chelsea result is forgivable or understandable to an extent, I think. But taken in the context of Liverpool, Brighton, Chelsea as the the run of three matches in a row, I, I, I don't know what you can say for the Jose Mourinho era other than that. It's well and truly, like, stop trying. I don't don't know. Like, you're looking at three consecutive matches where we have about half of an expected goal or less. Like, we put up a little fight against Chelsea, but we put up almost nothing against Liverpool and Brighton. And we talked about Liverpool and all the problems that there were in that match, but, like, Brighton are near the bottom of the table. We did nothing. And... uh, I don't know. It's just really difficult to look at this team as constructed with the talent that it has, and even considering that Harry Kane is out injured, to think that we put up basically zero attack.
0: Well, I I think that's what's really damning for Mourinho, actually, is I think... Well, it's gotten worse since the Harry Kane injury. The malaise goes back before that. You know, this sort of abject run in form. I mean, we were experiencing it when Kane was healthy, so you can't just blame it on an injury.
2: Right, and and, and, I mean, honestly, you know, we've talked about this before. We're still not really doing the things that Jose Mourinho teams do in terms of preventing goals and preventing chances. I mean, Brighton had a number of really good chances of, of, of really good attacks and, and and we looked toothless when we attacked and, and you know Chelsea probably should have been a lot further ahead of us than they actually were. Um, well I didn't even think Chelsea came... played that well today
0: and, and they still kicked our ass
2: yeah and I mean it's it, it just uh, just on both ends of the pitch we look like we have no plan. And that's what we were sold on Jose Mourinho as being. That's what we've always, always been sold on Jose Mourinho being is, you know, the master tactician, the man with a plan, the guy who, you know, has all the solutions. And it, it, it's, it's like we've talked about before, you know, the, the emperor has no clothes, basically. He, he has no plan. He has no solution. He has no answers in attack like we're left with the Peking manual, and, and that's what we've got.
0: You're referring to Mourinho taking credit uh, for Real Madrid's detailed attacking plans when they were on a chore in China, and they had none. He was not training them on attacking plans, so the Real Madrid players jokingly talked about his Peking manual. It's worth pointing out that if Mourinho was doing half the job he did at Real Madrid, we would probably be, fi- be fine right now. I mean, it's so much worse than what he did at Madrid
1: today we had one shot from the ninth minute until the 78th minute that's just not acceptable I mean that is just you can't you can't play a game well like, that. And like, like I said Chelsea
0: yeah. weren't like bossing us around the pitch I mean they just they weren't very I, I was not impressed by this Chelsea team that handily beat us today
1: I mean you know they had all of the ball they had shots we had again we had Two shots in the first half, and then zero shots in the second half until like the 78th minute, and it's like we we conceded a goal fairly early on, and the response was just non-existent. You know, we've seen games where we've conceded a goal and we have fought back and and had some some plan of getting back into the game, and this today there's just no sense at any point that like we had a chance. Of getting back in this. It was only one goal. Like, that's a very easy deficit to overturn. But at no point did you think we had the slightest prayer of of putting a shot on target. Of of scoring a goal. Of doing anything. Like, it was just an The only shot that struck
0: me as dangerous was Lamellas. That was the only good shot that I can remember in this game. Like, everything else was just this toothless And by the
1: time he took it, honestly, I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Like, don't save Jose's job. (laughs) Like... It's, Let this nail go into his coffin.
0: It's just so bad. And it's, you know, it's like, th- this isn't like we're not, it's he's not a younger manager experimenting with kind of a team that he's figuring out like Pochino in his first year, or even AVB in his first year. I mean, you know, it's we've talked about it. The reason you get Mourinho is you want results. It's like it's time to deliver. And I understand that like Mourinho has a lot of key injuries right now, but none of them are new. Like, you know, yes, we'd all love to have Sergio out there. We'd all love to have Harry Kane out there. We'd all love to have Deli out there, but that's a whole other story. Um, But, you know, it's like, you've had time to plan around these things. And you're Jose Mourinho. Like, this isn't new to you. You know, this isn't... You know, you've had these players for long enough. You should be able to figure something out. Um, You know, you you were able to sort of, like, outwit Chelsea earlier this year. Admittedly, it was, like, Lampard's Chelsea. But, you know, still, it's just... There's nothing there.
1: We just didn't concede in that game. I mean, no, that was, like, a
0: well-coached game. That was...
1: Yeah. It, but, I mean,
0: yes, I know Mourinho sucks, but, like, it's, I, I don't even know what I'm watching. It's just, what's the point? It's like, these either they're not trying or they're not being given any, like, ideas to execute. I don't know which it is, because we're not seeing players kick out in the press yet, but it just, I don't know. No, I, but
1: we are starting to see the rumors, right? Yes. We're starting to see leaks and whispers. Well, and we're getting- it's like, so Jose two... Mourinho doesn't have any tactical attacking plans other than let Kane and Son create magic in the final third, which, like, we, having watched this, like, we know that that's the plan, but to hear that confirmed through the media, through sources in the club, is telling of, like, yeah. where we are, is that people are now whispering, like, Jose, the Emperor doesn't have any clothes, well, Jose doesn't have a plan.
0: And I think you could tell by the tenor, the tenor of the coverage, because something that I have found weird, our English listeners will probably think I'm strange for the way I'm talking about this, but generally in like American sports journalism, you'll get unsourced quotes or people will just straight up talk to the reporter and it'll be attributed to them. Generally, what I find you get in English journalism, at least around football, is they're talking to people behind the scenes, they're getting a feel for what they're saying, and it colors the tone of the coverage, even if they're not giving out quotes or... You know, it's, setting a source close to the club. Yeah, like but that. you can tell. I think. I think the media coverage in the last week has definitely turned on Mourinho. I, I think. I mean. I mean, there's also been ITK, which again, take that with a massive grain of salt. But to me, what what tells me that the worm has turned on Mourinho is just the tenor of the coverage. It's not good. The knives are out in a way that we really haven't seen thus far in his tenure. Um, I know that uh, Miguel Delaney was a reporter who is, you know, clearly... I mean, a lot of these guys have an axe to grind with Mourinho for a whole variety of reasons. But I think it's telling that the the tone of their coverage has changed very recently. And I think... I just think this is... I mean, I I think on this podcast we've had the feeling this is sort of untenable for a while now. But now it just feels like a matter of time. And, you know, my guess is he's probably going to get to the League Cup final... Um, But if we keep playing like this, and again, we're playing like this. It's not just against Chelsea. We're playing this way against Brighton. I mean, if we keep losing games like this, I don't know how much longer Mourinho can sustain. I mean, I think it's worth remembering Pochettino, you know, I think there's been a little bit of revisionism around sort of Levy and Pochettino's relationship. Those guys were close. They got along really well for a long time. I don't think Levy wanted to fire Pochettino, and he still did it. Uh, You know, we don't know how COVID plays into this. I think maybe we're a little less reluctant to cut salary now because our stadium's not a money machine anymore. Um, We might not be able to afford that as much, so maybe we'll hang in there a little bit longer with Mourinho. I don't know that, but I I don't think Mourinho could survive for him like this for much longer.
2: I mean, so the League Cup final's not until April, and if we keep playing like this, I don't even know if a cup final is enough to... You, you know, like, I don't know. I, these three league defeats in a row and... But it's like the last like, month. It's not just the last, like, three games. It's like the last month. No, absolutely. Look, it's, it's basically since November. Um, You know, we've been inconsistent since November. We haven't looked good, Um, you know, with the exception of a few decent cup performances. And, you know, I, I but I think these... Three matches are kind of like peak shittiness, yeah. or, or or the low point. You there's know, just, there's nothing you can defend
0: like, about. There's nothing you can defend about these matches,
2: right? And, and you know, like we've even talked about how dumb today's goal was. Which, and you know, look, I don't know that that's a hundred percent on Mourinho, but like the team had no fight back and had no answer and to go the other way and to even look like we were going to, you know, claw one back or, or, or do anything at all. Um, and then. I don't know. I, I keep going back to the Brighton match because to me, that was one of the worst games we've seen in the last couple of seasons. Uh, like, it, you know, we've, we've all watched frustrating Tottenham performances against teams that are worse than us, where we just can't score. Or where, you know, we have all of the ball and, and and the goalkeeper has, like, the greatest performance of his life. And and somehow we managed to lose or draw that game. Brighton, there was just nothing. There was no attack. There was no impetus. There was, like, the lineup didn't make sense. Um, it, it just... It it, it it was so so bad it, it felt like the
0: kind of performance you see at the end of the year when like table set nothing matters we got to play one last game anyway like i mean that's that's how listless the whole thing felt
1: it, and, and i mean typically you have bad performances where you can like point to something and like cling to it desperately as like an excuse of so, like well you know the referee was bad oh, the goalie had a really good day or you know we had a lot of shots and just nothing went right for us but like This past week of games between Liverpool, Brighton, and Chelsea, there's nothing to hide behind. It's just... We're just bad.
0: Like, there's injuries, but it's still no excuse. It's still no excuse. Like, you know, this isn't like last year when, like, you could actually, you know, right before COVID hit. Like, there was a level at which, like, we were struggling to put players on the pitch. And I still think performance, like, this would be inexcusable, but, like... You could understand it a little bit more. We're not that hurt right now. Like, you're, we're missing a few key players. You should still be able to, like... Like, Brian, you should at least be able to, like, fight back against Brighton.
2: You know, like... Well, and I mean, like, look, you know, I was very frustrated in the Brighton match specifically because we didn't play our backup striker. The, the man that we signed to do and, it, like, exist for this specific reason when Harry Kane gets hurt... and and we didn't play him, and then we played him against Chelsea, and actually it didn't really matter all that much, and, and so, you know, he still created a chance, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, he was a striker, and, but, you know, the problem is, is he's not Harry Kane, and for us to expect him to be Harry Kane is ridiculous, um, And that's not to say that Vinicius hasn't been good this season. He hasn't performed well in some of his his matches because yes, he's gotten six goals this year. Um, You know, he's he's been responsible for a lot of the good stuff that we did in the Europa League, and, and that's great. But he's not Harry Kane, and you know, the bill of goods that we were sold with him specifically this summer is that. He was our only target all along. He was the only striker Jose was looking at, and all the rumors about anybody else were just, you know, paper talk. This was the guy. And and then we have a match against Brighton, a team that, ostensibly, he, he should be able to start and be better than their defenders. And he doesn't play. Or he doesn't start, anyway. And... It's just confusing to me. Like, if that was the guy, and, and we bought him for this specific purpose, why doesn't he play there? Why, you know, if he's not good enough to start against Brighton, or he's not good enough to fulfill your tactical plan against Brighton, why do we have him? Why, why we sign him on loan? Why would we ever exercise the, the, the option to buy why didn't it, we just sign, you know, Milik or whoever we else we were linked with this summer? Like, I don't understand. And then he played against Chelsea, and he got a shot. I, I can't really think of anything that he did. And so I, I, it, I, I don't I don't know if that makes Jose correct. The,
0: on, the only that two things I can think that he did. Or
1: like, no, it makes Jose wrong. From, from, because the thing is, is like the goalposts keep moving, right? It's like oh, I can't, I can't function without Harry Kane because we don't have a backup striker. Okay, Jose, which backup striker do you want? He's like, Carlos Vinicius or nobody. That's the bill of goods we were sold, like you said. We got Carlos Vinicius. And he doesn't start Carlos. And it's like, okay, well, you insisted that this is what we needed to compensate for Kane's absence. Where the fuck is he? And then he plays, and then now suddenly it's like, well, you know, our team depends on Harry Kane doing Harry Kane things. As good as Carlos is, you know, he's not Harry Kane. Well, then if he can't do that then, and it depends on him being Harry Kane, then what the fuck is the point? Like, you can't keep changing the criteria of of what we need and why, you know, we can't perform in these circumstances. You know, I feel bad for Carlos because he's in a very no-win situation. I think he's been, you know, a reputable servant to the club in his time here. But, like, we're asking a lot of him, and, not interested in like giving him a platform to succeed and then blaming him when he can't succeed in these terrible circumstances.
0: But but that's what part of what I'm finding confounding about that. Cause I, you look at a guy like Vinicius and you know, I see a guy who there could be a perfectly serviceable backup, especially if you adjust your style of play to like, okay, he's not going to do Harry Kane things. What can he do? Okay. he can get on the end of passes. He can get into open play occasionally. You know, there's, we've seen him do certain things. And again, like, Maybe he's not, like, going to do it against Chelsea, but like you were saying, Brian, like, certainly he can probably get something done against Brighton, especially if you, like, give him the opportunities to, you know, play, get get actual minutes under his belt. I mean, I understand that we shouldn't take too much out of what we're seeing him do against the dregs of the Europa League. So I, I have a few questions that I'm coming away with this, and I want to start with the squad before we get back to Mourinho. We've, ta- we've talked about all these things a little bit, but I think this week puts it in a bit of a different light. Brian, do you think if you took... Like I said, Mourinho gets fired tomorrow or hit by a bus or whatever, and you get a Brendan Rodgers, a Hassan Huddle, a Ragnick, whoever, your basic B-plus or better manager, do you think they could squeeze better performances out of the squad? Yeah, I... I he...
2: Yes, I, I absolutely do, because I feel like just about any other manager could put together some sort of coherent attacking plan. Um, look, I, I know the Chelsea match is the one that happened today, but like the Brighton match is the one that was so stuck <laughs> in my mind. And, and, and I, I don't know if that's fair or not fair, but it's just like watching that game, there was literally zero attacking plan. And, and I know that, look, against Chelsea, we looked a little better and we did a little yeah. bit... Like, we did a little bit m- m- more, but again, still nothing that you could look at and you go, oh, look, here's a coherent pattern of play. Obviously, here is a, a thing we're trying to do uh, where we're going to create an overload. We're going to target this specific defender because we know that... You're, or this specific space because we know we can exploit that. But th- that just doesn't exist. And... and you know, look, we, we, we've watched Chelsea games this year. We've seen, you know, what Lampard's attacking plan was versus what we saw out of Chelsea today. And Tuchel has has changed the way they played in only, you know, three, what is it, two, three matches at this point? And he has gotten them, you know, to to do, you know, the stuff that he wants, the, the, that they're stringing together more passes. They are... They, are, they have a coordinated plan in attack. And I have to think that your basic B-plus level manager or even B-minus level manager is going to be able to craft something like that with the players that are available to them right now. But I, I, I cannot believe that this is the attack this team has.
1: Alright, the reality is, is like you look at this team, there's no there there. Like there's nothing that you look at and say, oh if only X, like we'd get there. We'd clear this this hump that we can't get past, and we'd finally become a good team. It's just you look at this team and it's just there's just nothing there. There's nothing there. There's some there's some solid defensive performances ruined by constant individual errors, which again are at such a frequency that it becomes part of the system that we are having so many individual errors. And you look at the attack and it's well if Harry Kane or Hungman Son or Andomblade doesn't do something amazing, there is no attack. And like that that's not new. We've been seeing this all season. And like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But you know, you hit the the rough patch that we're in now, we we're in, in like November, December, and you look at us struggling to play against really really lousy teams um and then the teams that we should be kind of around in the table and we just have nothing we just have nothing
0: but do you think that, there's I guess... no
1: indication that there's like any reason why jose Mourinho, given another match given another signing is going to turn what we just saw into something that is like consistently good there's, so, there's nothing consistently good about anything
0: so ben i want to talk about that and again this is something we've address a little bit on this podcast before, but I think it's cast in a little bit different light given what we've seen this week. What's happened with Mourinho? And again, this is a longer question. Mourinho wasn't a bad manager. This guy was a very good manager for a long time. He's not, this isn't Joe Torre who just like won the lottery, got an amazing team and sort of like picked his nose on the bench and kept them from fighting each other in the locker room while they won a bunch of titles. I mean, Mourinho did really good jobs to win a lot of shit with a lot of teams. He's This guy wasn't a fraud once upon a time, so what happened? I mean, we say, I I see a lot of people say the game has passed him by on Twitter. What does that mean? Is that what's happened? And if it is, what does that actually mean?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I I will give you my sort of canned thesis on Jose Mourinho's history, right? You know, um, for like a a lazy comparison, arson Banger came in. And, like, introduced vegetables. And, you know, that was revolutionary to the English game.
2: Vegetables and, like, are very like, important. I don't know how the English didn't know that. They didn't have a food pyramid, I guess. Venger just comes in, it's... stares at the tactics
0: board for a while, and then realizes, what if we didn't drink ten beers before every match? What,
2: what if right. the pyramid that we invert is not a tactical <laughs> pyramid, but instead the food pyramid? Wait a minute. <laughs> Why isn't the point on top of the food
1: pyramid here? Right and like you know like Arsene Wenger obviously did a lot of things with like youth development and passing and possession oriented football like whatever but to be very glib is like he made some very basic innovations that English football was so far behind that they seemed revolutionary and then the world caught up to the idea of like diet and exercise and you know he was left behind and so you know we've talked a lot about Jose Mourinho's philosophy of football over the last year Um, and you know, his idea is that possession is stupid because if you possess the ball, you can make a mistake. And when you make a mistake, the other team can capitalize it because you are now out of a structured defensive shape and the other team can score a goal. And so for Jose, you know, nothing that happens in midfield matters. It's just a matter of taking advantage of counterattacks when the other team is defensively not set. And then, for your own defense, being as composed and compact and set as possible so that you aren't as susceptible to the same kinds of mistakes. And that was a revolutionary idea. You know, the idea that, like, football should be played without the ball was not a dominant concept in 2004. Um, and that's a thing that he did very, very well. He he was a very much a pioneer of this kind of – Low block counterattacking football, where we said, We don't need the ball to hurt you. We just need broken possession and uh, we will take our chances and, and we'll score. And, you know, teams weren't ready for that. And as Jose's career went on, he was at very good teams relative to the level of talent in his league, uh, particularly at Chelsea. Um, and, you know, he was able to make that kind of system work. You know, you have some very good defenders in John Terry and Ricardo Carvalho. You have some very good attackers in Didier Drogba and Arjen Robin, um, And you can both defend very, very strongly and counterattack very effectively. Um, but since then to now, you know, there's been a whole universe of tactical thought developed around the ideas of out-of-possession football and how transitions are phases Besides defense and attack, there is a transition phase to defense and a transition phase to attack that also exist in in the you know course of a game that, you know, prior managerial thought didn't really consider. And, you know, you've seen now the rise of stuff like gegenpressing pressing and a, a, a football philosophy that recognizes the value of counterattacks and structures itself on how to cr- both create opportunities to counter on other teams and how once the counter is sprung how to maximize you know the chance creation uh, from that opportunity and so you have all of these structural developments that have come in football over the last 15 20 years um, in, in how to perfect a system that Jose kind of intuitively got 15 years ago and Jose is still operating on that first level of you counter, and you get a good chance. But, you know, the opponents you're playing now have seen pressing football. They've seen teams designed around counterattacks. Like, I mean, Mauricio Pochettino, Jürgen Klopp, even Pep Guardiola have, like, been been in the league for, for years now. You know, even managers as shitty as Sean Dyche have, like, seen what this looks like. You know, they know how to defend against this. And conversely, teams now know how to use that that counterattacking opportunity to create structure in how they counterattack. It's not just a reliance on a Harry Kane or Hungman Sun's individual brilliance in the counter. It is a a regimented approach. You know, There are pressing triggers. There are structured opportunities for when we will create chances to counterattack that create the best opportunities for us to come up against an unsettled defense. And all of, all of these things that Jose Mourinho just doesn't do, you know, we press occasionally and when we do, it doesn't seem like very well structured like today against Chelsea. There was times, where, you know, the front line was strung out pressing and the midfield was like 30 yards back, which is like, you know, we've seen Mauricio Pochettino's football. We've at this club, we've seen what a concerted team oriented pressing system looks like. And, you know, if you give a team 30 yards between your front line of press and the second line of press, you know that they can break that. You know that they can turn that into opportunities for themselves. And so this is what we're looking at. This is what I mean when we say we're looking at a tactical dinosaur. It is he has some broad strokes of good ideas that often works when you have very good players like we do. But generally speaking, the structures just aren't there. And the opposing teams that we're playing against have those structures and are aware of how to play against those those tactics and the rudimentary form that Jose is trotting out is is just laughable.
2: Well, and I think the 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 other struggle that Spurs have with the Jose Mourinho attacking plan, and and Ben, you summarized what the plan is pretty perfectly. Is but the problem Spurs have is we don't have one brilliant individual to help whatever that plan is come off you know Kane and Son are good but they're not you know peak Eden Hazard or Ronaldo or you know what whatever like like they're just they're just not and and they're very good but they're not that they, neither of them are generally speaking creating chances on their own they're not you know the the reason why we were so good early in the season was you know we had extraordinary finishing luck and that's kind of gone away now. And, and and now, you know, those, you know, negligible XG chances that Kane gets or or, or in this run that Sun is getting, they're not goals anymore. Um, we're not scoring on our very first shot on target of the game. We're not, you, you know, and, and we just lack... If you don't have a plan, Jose's Marie, Jose Mourinho's system relies on just individual brilliance and those aren't the kind of players that we have in attack. And it makes it real hard to get any sort of coherent attack going. Well,
0: I think that's the, the, and that sort of summarizes, I think, another problem that the that specific Tottenham team has under Mourinho, which is he's just putting so much pressure on everybody. You know, in order for this system to work, the defenders have to be almost perfect you know because they're getting they're they're absorbing so much pressure over the match because the midfield's not helping them out as much and our attackers because they're only getting these like counterattacks in transition those are the only chances we're creating in the game and we're creating so few of them you know they've just got to put away you know these marginal chances or the one good chance they get all game which you know we've talked about this with Harry Kane before and Jermaine Defoe it's like it's a striker's mentality it's like oh didn't score this one I'll score the next one there is something to be said for like you keep plugging away because sometimes you're not going to get lucky, and you know you need a couple chances in the match to like because you know occasionally that keeper is going to play out of his mind. Uh but you know it's just it's and, and then you you put all this you you put like you said Ben the sort of the way he wants to approach it that is not as effective as it used to be. You put together you put that together with the pressure he's putting on the individual players, and you combine that with his just frankly bizarre need to like feud with some of the best players on the team to I don't know, like, set an example for the locker. Like, I can't explain to you why he does it, but he's certainly done it at you know, he's done it at Spurs with first indomble and then Deli Alley. Now he's doing at United he was doing it with Pogba for some reason. At Real Madrid he decided to pick a fight with like Iker Casillas, which is you know, going to win you lots of friends. And even if there's, like, individual issues with any of these players, the way he's going about it is clearly about sending a message. And it, frankly, you know, maybe putting the Iker one away because that guy was getting pretty old by the time Mourinho decided to start fighting with him. But certainly with Pogba, with Ndombele, with Dele Alley, like, he's weakening the team. Like, Mourinho's system would probably work a lot better if we were putting Dele Alli in to manage and create some of these transitions. I mean... I don't, you know, it makes no sense why you freeze a guy like that out of your team. But here we are, and we're doing that, and it's not working. And, you know, it's now Mourinho's apparently making nice with Deli Alley, and, you know, he'll take credit for it, but it's clearly because Daniel Levy wouldn't sell him. And I think that probably also doesn't speak well for Mourinho's future. That's two players Mourinho's wanted out that Levy just, just refused to let go. And probably part of that has to do with COVID and the market available, but you know, I, would you guys be shocked if Levy's kinda got one eye on a post marino era and he's just you know, he's a smarter chairman than Ed Woodward and isn't just gonna it just isn't gonna allow this to happen. It wouldn't shock me. Um, that probably doesn't speak well for Mourinho's future here.
1: I mean I think not selling Delhi Alley is a clear line in the sand. You know, it was it was very much a case of Jose was flexing his his managerial authority on Delhi Alley. And Levy said no. And I think that's hugely encouraging because Deli Alley is both young, valuable, and talented. And there's no reason to sell him off just because your fucking manager decided to pick a fight with him for no reason. Um, But it's very telling that the aftermath of that has been Jose very publicly extending an olive branch, being like, oh, yes, we're about to get the, you know, we've been missing the good Deli Alley. And, you know, he went to his house to, like, have a conversation with him. It's like, Jose knows that he lost that fight. And so what Jose is going to do is try and very publicly make it seem like his decision to bring Deli back into the team, just like he did with Ndombele. Um, you know, make it seem like this was a Jose tactical masterstroke to play this guy that we were all crying for him to play for a year and he just didn't. And then once he came in and was as obviously good as we knew he was going to be, it was like, ah, see, I, Jose did this. And, you know, I think it's a much more transparent the second time around. well I and think it's, he's doing that with Dele. I think it's and
0: much like worse because uh, you know we don't know what's happening to the training ground but I think it's fair to say that like there were fitness issues within Dombalay, probably fitness issues that he has something to do with but at the same time you know new guy to the league these guys have trouble to like adapt you know you handle it in a different way uh, maybe there's an issue with Delhi alley maybe something happened to the training ground maybe he's not taking fitness seriously I don't know I think it's telling we haven't heard any of these things. I think Mourinho just doesn't like his attitude for some dumb reason. You're getting paid fifteen million pounds or whatever the fuck it is a year. Like the reason we are paying you that and not just paying like Sean Dyche to eat worms in our in our training facility is because you're supposed to be able to get more out of these players. And instead, you're just having a pissing match with him. And it's it's you know, if Deli Alley's a pain in the ass, it's your job to figure out how to work with him.
1: Say one thing for Daniel Levy. Like, he knows the value of his assets. If you're squandering them, he's not going to be happy about it. Sorry, go ahead, Brian.
2: No, I was just going to say, at this point, I'd rather have Sean Dye eating worms and talking about the guy from Up. You know, at least his press conferences look fun. Like, I, I don't enjoy Jose Mourinho press conferences. They're not. They're like, only fun we, when things are going well. We talked about it. Yeah, we've it. talked about it. Like, Jose Mourinho shit-talking is great when it's directed outward because you played a good match, when it's directed inward because your guys suck. It's not fun anymore. Um, we're definitely in the not fun phase of that. So, if you guys had to bet, and I know that um, our stonk guys
0: on here have a bad history of putting their money on stuff. Uh, but Brian, I'll start with you. you how can long
1: to the moon, baby? <laughs> it's coming up.
0: How, how long, Brian? If you if you had to use these diamond hands to preserve the future of Tottenham Hotspur, how, how long do you think Mourinho's got left at the club? If you had to if you had to bet on how long
2: he'll last. I mean, I've very much been that there's no way he gets fired before this season is up we've got West Brom Manchester City West Ham Burnley Crystal Palace Arsenal next if we don't win one of West Brom City West Ham one of
0: yeah I think they gotta win two of those
2: almost I mean anyway but I mean look I think I think if you lose West Ham the, the seat is really hot. And, you know, you can hand wave away a loss to Manchester City. Um, I,
0: Pochettino's last 12 games, he had 14 points. And Mourinho's last 12 games, he's had 13 points. I was, I agree with you, Ryan. I was very much on no way he gets fired before the summer. Probably doesn't get fired in the next season. Uh,. Until you know we get a few months in and he starts season on the hot seat, yeah. I, I, we can't keep playing like this. I, I really do think if if things don't pick up, and boy, they sure don't look like they're about to pick up, maybe Kane coming back will fix something. But if things don't pick up, I, I don't see how this can continue for much longer. I would, I think he's gone I mean, uh, unless things change. I think he's gone before the cup final.
2: We haven't lost three matches in a row since 2012 in the league, and. Uh, I I, I I don't know. I have no faith that we're going to put together something coherent against West Brom. Because even and so,
0: go back you know, earlier in the year. Look what we were doing against West Ham and Newcastle. I mean, at least we were playing well in those games,
2: and things just went against us. We're not even doing that anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe, maybe Ben disagrees, but like, even a draw against West Brom, I, that's not enough. Like, you have to no. like. We have to go out there and spank him. Like it has to be like four or five nil, and then then you can maybe say like, "All right, like he's safe for now." But like, I, I don't think any result other than that really takes any of the pressure
1: off him.
0: So Ben, put down your Robin Hood app, you know, <laughs> and tell us. I
1: got, an AMC, I got to an AMC and BlackBerry and Nokia are doing uh, all crater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like. I mean, I think if we lose to West Brom, I think it's kind of a no-brainer. You know, I saw a stat that this is the first time Spurs have lost three games in a row since 2012. It's the first time that Jose has lost back-to-back home games since
2: that's a very uh, interesting statement. man. Yeah, I think yeah,
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> it might have just
0: been used on this very podcast. <laughs>
1: so I would say that uh, I wasn't paying attention because...
0: <laughs> because because you, you were you were holding on to those stocks and those diving
2: That's one of the
1: things to do. No, uh, it's okay.
2: I appreciate that you just kind of acknowledged yeah, everybody so else so you don't listen really... when I talk.
1: Wasn't you, Brian? I, Look, like, I, I had a friend in need, and I was responding to some text messages.
2: That's fine. <laughs> I said. Wow.
1: What is? What did Nathan even know favorite. about Sasquatches? Um. Anyway, so in light of those two statistics that Brian so astutely pointed out, uh, <laughs> you <laughs> guys could have cut me off like way quicker. Um, no way. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's bad. So if we lose West Bromwich, we're fucked. If we or he's fucked. If we beat West Brom, it's hard to credit Daniel Levy saying, you know, oh, you beat Big Sam and the worst team in the Premier League. Like, that's 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 the thing that I was waiting for, you know, to give you my backing. You know, like it might give him a week, but I don't think it's meaningful. I mean, I think, I think.
0: If you were to ask Daniel Levy, like, okay, you're going to fire Mourinho. When would you like that to happen? He probably wanted it to happen a lot closer to the end of the season. So he could just, like, you know, have have the summer to, like, go pick off whoever he wants. But I don't know. Like, I don't know. So, Ben, when, I mean, when, how long do you think he's going to last? If you had to put some ill-advised GameStop money on it, when, when would that be?
1: Well, the ITK has said by Valentine's Day, and uh, that's ten days from now. so that's that's the best day for me.
0: i I gotta think that if that if that was to happen, either there are some spectacularly bad performances in our future and or and it, I would think almost it has to be and there's some really ugly shit happening behind the scenes right now. That I mean, we have that no inclination. Having
1: these conversations right now means that, like, there's a search ongoing. We're looking at other managers. We're considering our po- oppor- our possible opportunities here. Like Daniel Levy isn't going to fire, you know, his his precious number one boy without thinking about what else is out there. You know, so like,
0: so let's talk about that because I think one of the issues that Spurs had. I maintain one of the issues. I mean, maybe we always would have fired Mourinho, but I think when we fired Pochettino, sort of forced us into a very bad situation. There weren't a lot of options out there. It made it a lot easier to hire Mourinho. Uh, you know, I. Who do you think we're going to go for? I mean, do you think? Do you think? Do you think if we fire Mourinho in season? We're going to try and hire a permanent manager. Or do you think we're going to just? Get a caretaker and f- and just fucking hire who we need in the summer. I.
2: It's tough because if it if it if the firing takes place in the next ten days, like Ben, you know, suggests, then you've still got a lot of season left. I mean, you've got an entire Europa League knockout campaign. You've still got an FA Cup run. You've got a you got a, a League Cup, Cup final. Find. Yeah. I, and I don't know. Do you want to entrust that to Ledley King slash no. Joe Sacramento slash Ryan Mason? Like, is that what you want to do? Um, it's not like we're we're just playing. We 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 hire um or not hire, but promote Tim Sherwood to play out the string. Like that's that's not what's happening. If if Jose Mourinho gets hired or fired in the next ten days. Um, now if we wait. Till the next international break, which is after the March 19th game against Southampton, um, where we may already be eliminated from the Europa League. We potentially could, I guess, be out of it's that. It's going to take come. some work to get eliminated from the Europa League.
0: <laughs> like, as bad yeah. as we've been.
2: But, you know, I mean, at this rate, anything is possible, right? Like, I, I don't know. Um. At, at, at that point, if you, if you wait until you know, mid to late March, then maybe you just go with an interim and roll until you know, June or July. Uh, I don't know. I, it just, I think it's the same problem that you had when we, when we fired Pochettino is if you are looking for a manager that is free on the market or whose team is not doing anything of particular note, you're working with a pretty limited market. Um, any managers at big clubs or top clubs that you might be interested in aren't coming at, at that time of the season. Um, you know, if you want uh, a, a Nagelsmann or a Marco Rosa or I, I don't know, anybody, anybody that's actually any good, they're not coming at that time. And, you know, if you talk about uh, a Hasan Hoodl who – You know, we can discuss whether or not that's still a reasonable hire or not. But like, I don't think he would come. I think, like, yeah, I think he would come at that point. But like, is that actually the decision? I
0: don't think that. You know, I think maybe you can negotiate it before the season's over. That he'll come in the summer. I don't think he's leaving Southampton before the season's over. Yeah, I mean, you
1: you talk about like end of March. It's like, well, Southampton is where they are. Like, they're not going to get relegated. They're not going to get any better. Like. It's, it's possible. Like, that's the only kind of manager who isn't already unemployed that is possibly will be viable then that isn't viable now is someone who's like, well, I've done what I can do here, and there's nothing's going to change about, like, the trajectory of this club if I go now. But, you know, I think if you're looking at, like, the pool of unemployed managers right now, you have Allegri, who hasn't been employed since his time at Juventus. You have... Ralph Ragnick who was at uh, Leipzig and then Hoffenheim before that um, and then Eddie you Howell. have Eddie Howe right like those are the guys that we've like been either linked to or like should be linked to who don't have jobs um, and you know besides Eddie Howe I think either of those two guys are perfectly credible hires for for next season and are available now so why not get things started Um you know Daniel levy might have somebody in mind that he wants whether you know and I, I have to imagine that's what's happening is he's having those conversations and, and feeling those managers out um, both the unemployed guys and the guys like like Brian mentioned there's I mean there's all a laundry list of, of good managers out in the world who might see tottenham as a step-up or a paycheck up um, you know who we could be lining up and I think how we proceed with firing Jose and hiring somebody for the rest of the season is just dependent on how those conversations go. Um, or who he has in mind. You yeah. uh, you know, if he's right. just
0: got his heart set on manager X is just not available till the summer, then okay, we're going to find a way to muddle through this until the summer. And...
1: Right. Exactly. And like, you know, if he's dying for Nagelsman and, you know, his conversations don't sound like even this summer is going to be possible because he's, eyes are on a bigger prize, then it's like, okay, then I'll settle for Ragnick, who was, you know, maybe a mentor to him, and we'll go from there. Um, you don't, I, I don't know, and I don't think it's really worth speculating on so, what Daniel Levy's going to do, because there's a whole universe of people he could be talking to. But Here's,
0: here, here's something I do want to talk about before I, I talk to you guys about who you'd like to see in the position. I think one of the reasons Mourinho got hired when he did is they were very worried about keeping their stars happy. Harry Kane, Son, Larice to a lesser extent. I think they didn't want to lose some of these big names. And I think they knew that they couldn't hire a caretaker because it would just not go well with that, with that much season left. And I think they knew that you know for all the shit we talk about Mourinho and how much he's declined, we've talked about it on this podcast, you can see it in the documentary, players clearly still have a ton of respect for that guy. So I think that was part of the reason we hired Mourinho is we knew that Harry Kane and all these other guys would be very happy with him. I think, oddly enough, I think Dele Alley was another one they were worried about trying to force their way out that summer. Obviously, COVID is going to restrict player movement because teams just aren't going to have the kind of money that they usually do. But are you worried about firing Mourinho in the next month or so is going to have any kind of effect on our ability to hold on to these guys? Do you think a guy like Harry Kane is going to be like, this team can't fucking tie its shoes and walk at the, and chew gum at the same time. Like, just get me the fuck out of here. Or do you not even care if that is the case?
1: I absolutely care. I mean, I think, yes, not hiring a, a convincing manager carries those same risks. But I don't but that, think and that might not be something we're able to
0: do immediately. That's that's the, I think that's the risk of firing Mourinho. Right.
1: But that's the thing is like I don't think firing Mourinho carries those risks because anybody who is like I don't think there's anybody on the team right now who is like I'm only here because I believe in what Jose Mourinho is doing with Tottenham Hotspur. You know, there are people who accepted the Pochettino firing because a manager of the caliber of Jose Mourinho came in and they were willing to, you know, give that the credit it it warranted. Um, but yes, I think if we fire Jason Mourinho and appoint Ryan Mason, people are going to be like, let me get my agent on the phone and start lining up moves for this summer because I'm not convinced this club is going where I want it to. Even um, if
0: it's clear that Ryan Mason will not be the manager to come this summer.
1: Yeah, it's possible. So like, you don't want to put that thought in their head. So, But again, if they have to sit through this for the next six months right. or three months, like that thought is just as likely to pop into their head. So you know, that's a tough situation to have to manage is like the kind of Mentality.
0: Yeah, it'd be nice if the it's collapse kind of could. Do, vanity, it'd be nice if they could wait to collapse until like May or something. But yeah. Um, so, Brian, top of your head, uh, like let's assume, you know, obviously it'd be reasonable we're not getting Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp or Mauricio Pochettino. Um, who would you like to see managing Spurs? It, getting rid of Mourinho, let's let's get rid of if it's reasonable to we'll get them now versus the summer, but who would you like to see replace Mourinho at Spurs?
2: I would be interested in most of the German managers that we've been linked with. I think of them, you know, Nagelsmann and uh, Marco Rosa are the two most interesting ones. I mean, Rosa comes from the Red Bull school. He was at Salzburg. Um, you know, uh, so so, and I think Gladbach are interesting. They play an interesting style of football. They, you know, it's it's in the same vein to the stuff that we we liked under Pochettino. Is it um, earmarked so, for Dortmund? Yeah, but I mean, Nagelsmann is earmarked for Bayern, and you know, I I don't know. So, hey, if we're willing know, to pay
0: what we paid for our last two managers, I guess that's a good point.
2: So yeah, so I I don't know that either of them are actually reasonable or anything, but if you if you're telling me that I get to pick, like those are the two guys. No, I think Rose is like, maybe he's not. Doesn't work out. I don't think that's you know if
0: he's on your list and you're Daniel Levy, I don't think you're being crazy by like yeah, I don't that.
2: think Gladbach to Tottenham is a is a jump or that that is too far or is like something that he doesn't entertain if you come to him with the you know the right offer. Um, you know, if we wanted to have, like, the most annoying thing to us as a podcast and, like, what we would oh, hate the most, we could hire Jesse Marsh, um, <laughs> which, which I think would really hit the sweet spot for we hate, you know, U.S. men's national team fans and then also just those people would now all be interested in Spurs. Do you think Marsh um, would do a good job? I, don't, I think... I don't know. I, I really don't know. I would it, be a, know a would it be a stretch? Would it be a stretch for Spurs to hire? Would it be a stretch for Spurs to hire? Let us let me put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be. Just off the back of... But this, which is why I think Rosa is, is, is reasonable because he went from Salzburg to Gladbach as a stepping stone and has performed credibly there. Whereas Marsh went from MLS to Salzburg and now you're like, okay... You have demonstrably more resources than everybody in the Austrian Bundesliga. Uh, can could you do that anywhere else? I don't know that I wanted to try that at Spurs. Um, but I just think for for in terms of stuff for us to talk about and whether it would be funny or not, I think that would be very interesting. So for for the
0: content, you want you want Jesse Barnes. right? Absolutely, Ben. Who would you want to see replace Mourinho?
1: So I've kind of talked myself recently into the idea of Ralph Ragnick because. I think he has demonstrated, so he has, he's kind of like the philosophical godfather of like the whole German pressing philosophy, um, which, you know, Spurs obviously have a lot of experience with, with Pochettino, which is obviously not the German pressing system, but it is not far off. Um, but he is a guy who turned to kind of astroturfy club situations in Hoffenheim and Leipzig into viable programs, um, and didn't just manage football teams, but also kind of overhauled the backroom structures of of how these teams operated. And you know, a big a big plus in his favor is that he's unemployed. Um, so I think it would be an easy hire to make. But I think he's a guy who you could both appoint as a caretaker manager, and then slide into a backroom role and, and and task him with kind of like reinventing our entire scouting and operations setup and kind of cherry-picking who our actual manager will be come this summer. If we want like
0: a Marco Rosa or someone like that, right. it makes it like, a lot you easier. Know, he has a
1: lot of disciples like Ralph Hasenhutl among them, you know, that I think would work well with him and who you know, he would be comfortable with or failing that he would just be our manager. And again, he has been a very good manager. So I, I I really think, you know, one of the things about, about Daniel Levy's tenure is he is not just vacillated wildly between different managerial systems, but he's vacillated between holistic, how we run the club systems. You know, we went from Damian Connelly's, you know, scouting network and, and, Um, ideas to Harry Redknapp's you know, he runs everything it's all, you know, his Rolodex of players to you know, ABB to Paul Mitchell to you know, uh, who do we have for ABB? Uh, Francisco Baldini you know, as his director of football to Paul Mitchell with Pochettino to okay, Pochettino just wants to do it by himself Um, to Jose Mourinho just wants like All of the backroom stuff has been very malleable um, from manager to manager. So this is, I think, a real opportunity to reinvent how our recruitment works, how our scouting works, how our just top-to-bottom structure works. Like, you look at a Brendan Rodgers at at Leicester, and I think he's doing a good job. But it's very hard to separate what Brendan Rodgers is doing with what the overall program of recruitment that Leicester is doing that gets him talents like... James Madison and you know uh, Yuri Thielmans and uh, Ricardo Pereira and whoever you know I think as much as we need a good manager we need to ensure that we are no longer signing guys like Matt Doherty and Joe Hart you know like we're doing a better job of it than we have in recent years but like that is part of the process as well you know we need to be competing above our 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 wage bracket. You know, the way that Liverpool has managed to elevate their team to the level of Man City, despite having much, much fewer resources. So I want to talk about just a
0: few of the other names that are being tossed around um, for a managerial position. This could all be very premature, but um, Brian, Ben just mentioned uh, Brendan Rodgers. How do you how would you feel about him being our new manager?
2: Like on a personal level, or just like, am I okay with that as an appointment? Because like honestly, I find him very punchable.
0: Yeah, um, I would. I I, I would. We, we have some friends in this podcast. who – Well, we have Ben on this podcast who, has, who just very much found Jose Mourinho super punchable when he came in. I feel like I'd have that reaction. Like Brennan just feels like a real sleazy operator, and I think he'd probably be a, he'd definitely be an improvement over Mourinho. But I would I would find him very punchable. <laughs>
2: I guess the thing with Brendan is, I think he's fine. My question is if you're Brendan Rodgers, is this job actually a step up right now from Leicester City? Yes. And I, and I understand that, like, look, you know, our stadium, our squad, you know, maybe is. I, You could look at it and say it's better, but, like, he's better positioned with Leicester right now for current results. And. You know, is it better for him to stay and bide his time at Leicester and wait for, you know, another big job to open up? Or is Tottenham, like, reasonably the biggest job that he can hope to I achieve? Because uh, he's not going to get the Liverpool job again. and He'll know, get the
0: Chelsea job eventually, just because they're going to run out of other people to hire. But
2: Yeah, you know, like... I, so I don't know. I, 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 he's not at the top of my list, but he'd be fine. I'd be okay with it. Okay. I mean,
1: I don't trust a man whose lips are the same color as his face. But the thing about Brandon Rogers is, it would, like Brian said, it's like Lester are very similarly situated, if, if not, you know, better than us right now. It would take a stupid paycheck to bring him in, and as I mentioned a second ago, there are enough questions about how much he is responsible compared to the overall you know, recruitment department and and football setup at Leicester, that, like, I don't know that it's worth that paycheck.
0: It's, it's not just that to me, although it's part of it. It's – he would be able to come in here entirely on his own terms. And I think that means he would control the setup, and I get worried about that because we know he's a grifter, and we know – I don't trust him As much in that regard I think he'd be a better manager Than Mourinho I think he'd have this Squad right now Playing a lot better Than Mourinho's got them playing I think he I think Brendan Rodgers Would definitely have this Like this would be a Champions League squad Under him I just don't no Like him And I don't trust him But like After Mourinho I could live with it Uh
1: Right, I think your point is, like, he came to Leicester with, like, a very, very low reputation and, like, had to settle for whatever they were going to offer him and whatever setup they were going to put him in. And you're right, that wouldn't be the case if he came here. He'd be writing his own ticket. Yeah. And I like that.
0: Uh, Ben, how do you feel about Hassan Huddle? I think a lot of Spurs fans um, see him as a natural – I think it just makes sense. I think he's the best – Manager of the Premier League, who would easily come to Spurs at least in the summer if we wanted him. Like I think we could buy him out. I think he would come here. We just we've hired other managers from Southampton. He's been good at a lot of clubs. I think it, I think I'm not trying to diminish Spurs fans who want him, but I think it's a very easy thing to sort of make those connections in your head. And there's not a lot of assuming you get to the summer. There's not a lot of roadblocks in terms of hiring him. So if we want him, he's probably ours.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he is a very good manager i think he has improved every team he has gone to i think if you look at southampton squad it is not good and to see the level that he is performing at with a team like the polar opposite of brendan Rogers, where he does not have a great recruitment system around him and they do not seem to have a very you know robust talent base to work with um I would definitely be happy to have him. And, yes, he just lost 9-0 to Manchester United, and he also lost 9-0 to Leicester like a year ago. Um, I think those are very bad results, and I don't think you can discount them, but I don't think in t- taking his whole body of work they matter.
0: I wonder with certain Spurs fans that... And I don't want to diminish his what he does on the pitch because I do think he's a decent manager and I think there's like if you want him at Spurs I don't think that's an unreasonable conclusion to reach I think part of it is I think he seems to be a very warm friendly personality and I think a a fluffy uncle if you will (laughs) yes and I think well that way he does look like sort of Jurgen Klopp's you know non-union Mexican equivalent to, to quote the Simpsons and I think there's an element of, I think we miss that. A lot of Spurs fans miss that under Pochettino, and that feels very appealing right now. I, I think he'd probably be fine at Spurs, like Ben said, like Brian Mind on our video chat. Uh, I, his, those 9 0 results give me pause. Um, not enough to necessarily say I wouldn't hire him, but if I was doing my due diligence for Spurs, I would certainly spend a little bit of time examining how that happened twice. Because obviously, you know, there's a man that gets sent off against Manchester United in the first three minutes. Also, they gave up nine goals after that, and that doesn't always happen. Um, you know, in fact, it's only happened three times. So, you know, I, I think he'd be fine. I just don't think it's the he's he's not a slam dunk no brainer. I think you know, there's there's other candidates that I find just as interesting, if not more so. But I do think he is the most sort of the the most get the best most gettable candidate, if that makes sense. If we to be ours.
2: Right, and and like you said, I I think what and then, or maybe it was Ben that said this earlier. Like Southampton, kind of are what they are right now. They're not, they're probably not gonna compete for Europa League spot, and they're probably not gonna get relegated, regardless of what happens. So, it, maybe if we wanted to hire him in the next two weeks or at the next international break, we could absolutely do so. We might not even have to wait till the summer.
0: Man, I I just feel very skeptical that you know he he might agree with us, but. I, I, my guess is he's not here till the summer. Um, if we hire him, uh, how about Steven Gerrard, Ben?
1: I mean, I don't like him as as anything. I just I hated him as a Liverpool player. I don't want a Liverpool player that recent. Like again, if twenty years from now, if Steven Gerrard was our manager, like whatever. But it's too soon. Um, I think the problem with with Old Stevie G is as good as a job he's done at Rangers. Um,
0: it's Rangers.
1: It's it is it is Rangers. But I also think like if he came here, he would always be having one eye on the Liverpool job. And whenever Klopp left, you know, no matter you know no matter how good we were doing with him, he would take the Liverpool job. And I don't I don't want to invest in that. I don't I, you know I'd like a new Pochettino. I'd like a guy who is going to be here sometime, I like a guy who we can hope to build a future around um, I don't see that with him well, There's see.
0: a there's a thing too with, with certain players from other teams there was a, like 15 or so years ago the baseball team I root for uh, the Orioles, they hired the Yankees bench coach as their new manager and a bunch of Oriole fans got really agitated about it like, oh how can you get someone from the Yankees like I don't, generally speaking, I don't really give a shit if you get someone from, who's got like a history with another team you know, if they're even if we don't like or there are rivals, like you know, I don't give a shit if they're going to help us win. That said, there's certain play iconic players that are associated with those teams in such a way that like it would get under my skin. Like I don't ever want to see like Thierry Henry at Spurs. I mean, obviously that's a extreme example, but I think Gerard falls in that same bucket where it's just like there's a part of me as a fan that just doesn't want to see it. Like he's too close. You know, if it's James Milner or something, like I don't give as much of a shit. But like.
2: You know, but yeah, I mean, Gerrard, Lampard, Terry, Henri, like those. You just the, uh, no, I don't want to see them at Spurs. Like it's yeah. just there's too much baggage there. I Even, don't like, like Saul them. Campbell, who played at Spurs, like I don't, I don't, I don't think. That. I think yeah. more, probably more than all the others. For, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, nobody wants Saul.
2: Vieira, don't want Vieira. You know,
1: but yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Is like you know, like like Georgia hired Kirby Smart from Alabama, and it's like there's no concern that he's going to go like pick Nick Saban's job, because fucking Nick Saban's not going anywhere. You know, like, the longevity in other sports for managers is just much, much higher. So you don't have to worry that, like, it's going to be, you know, well, one season of good feelings and then they're going to get poached. And so we like, know Klopp, based uh, on results, why would Alabama ever want Curtis? All right. <laughs> all right.
0: But, we, but also, you know, at the same time, like, Klopp up in the left is club that everyone thought he was going to be at forever like very suddenly like that, that went sour very quick and you know I I don't know Gerard would have to do a lot more to impress me for me to want like sort of make that emotional leap which and, and like, think there's
1: so many good managers we're talking about yeah right? like a guy who's been good at Rangers for like a season like that just does, does not compare to like what, what we're talking about like you know we're you talking say about there's we'll good Parker. clubs yeah, yeah we Scott are. Parker,
0: definitely not. Uh Nagelsman, do we have any thoughts? I I mean I'm just highly skeptical that Nagelsmann can He's be tried out of Red Red Bull. Yeah
1: I mean I'd like him. Fire.
2: Look, if you told me we could get him and he wanted to come here, I'd be like, absolutely, let's get him on the plane right now. But there's no way. Like that's that's not a viable option for us. <sighs> How do we feel about Allegri? Allegri
0: is obviously a very qualified manager and probably did a better job at Juve than we anyone gave him credit for at the time. And Milan, frankly. But I, it's he's one of those guys that, like, I, I don't have a good reason for not liking him. I just don't. I don't, I don't feel like... I don't know. He, he feels like he'd be a bad fit for Spurs. And I, I don't have any kind of a rational explanation for why I think that, so I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about. Because I, I think
2: my only rational explanation is there have been so many jobs at so many top clubs open in the past two and a half seasons, and he has gotten zero of those jobs. And, and there's been a lot of rumors that he bombed a lot of interviews, like at Arsenal and Everton and a few others. Right, and so, so you know, that gives me pause. Um, You know, especially, you know, being significantly in the running for those Arsenal and Everton jobs. And, I mean, look, Everton landed on Carlo Ancelotti, who is a very good manager, and, you know, you you could easily make the case for why he is superior to Allegri. But Arsenal landed on Arteta. And aside from his personal connection to the club, it's hard to look at that and, and find a justifiable reason why that makes sense for arsenal so i think i think that's the thing that gives me concern is there have been so many open jobs so many jobs that he's been linked with and allegedly interviewed for and he just hasn't landed any of those jobs I, I, and and maybe that's baseless and maybe you know that's just all based on paper talk but it's not i feel like it's not nothing
1: I mean, I'm not here to deal in hearsay, right? Like, Mauricio Pochettino no, not was, at all. Not at all. Never. But, <laughs> Mauricio Pochettino was out of work for like a, a year, you know, before he took his job at PSG. And like, we all know he's a very talented manager. Well, it's because he's so,
0: he's so committed to not work, never taking a job at Barcelona, which that's definitely something he'll never do.
1: Right, exactly. Like, you know, he did not get jobs, you know, and like, we know he's a great manager, so... That's stupid. I would be... I I think, you know, Allegri was a guy who left Milan and was available the summer we hired Pochettino. I think we were all very down on him because his Milan team was not very good. Um, But then he went to Juve and he won, like, five straight league titles. He made it to two Champions League finals. Like, I think there's no doubt that he is a talented manager. I think, you know, yes, the five straight titles in Serie A... Are kind of meaningless because Juve just sort of wins them, though Andrea Pirlo is doing his best not to. Um, you know, but I think two Champions League finals where he beat us on the road to one of them um, is not nothing. And I don't think he plays the kind of football I'm dying to see post Jose Mourinho, but I wouldn't hate it because I think he would make us better. But I would like to have somebody more fun.
0: So, wrapping it up, right now, on February 4th, if you had to guess, who do you think replaces Mourinho long-term? Let's let's just ignore any potential caretaker-manager situations. Ben?
1: I, I'll Come on, ben, ben. Those you know stocks are going up. You're, you're not
0: getting on board quick enough.
1: I mean, like, I know who I would like. I know what I would like. And I know what the betting markets say. But I have... I don't have a great read on what Daniel Levy is actually going to do, so I'm just going to default to the lazy answer of, well, hiring the Southampton manager worked out last time, so let's do that again this time. So I'm going to go with Hassan Hoodle. I think
0: actually the lazy answer is is Brendan. I I think Brendan is, like...
1: Here's why I don't think it's Brendan, because Brendan, like Jose Mourinho, is another... Manager who got away. He was a guy he really, really wanted, and then Liverpool hired him right before we hired Pochettino. Well,
0: he allegedly tried to. That was the guy they tried to get before Mourinho last year.
1: Right. So like having gone down that like kind of nostalgia road with Mourinho and it go it going so badly, I think I think Levy will be hesitant to try that again.
0: Well, I I do think. He is going to be the obvious choice in the press going forward. I want to just put that out there
2: Brian, who do you think we're going to end up with if you had to put some of Ben's money on it? I think <laughs> Ben's right I think I think the lazy choice is probably the correct one and and, and that it's hassan Hoodle, um, and that's not bad necessarily and
0: it's always no, it's the least I'm not risky choice it's bad
2: I just you know uh...
0: nine nine nil yeah I get it.
2: And, but it's not even that. It's just that, like, I, I just think that we're at a level where we could probably hire a better manager than Hasenhutl. Not to say that Hasenhutl's bad or or that hiring him would be bad or, or anything like that. But I feel like Daniel Levy views us as a club that can, you know, he thinks we could have hired peak Jose Mourinho. That's what he thought us hiring Jose Mourinho was was us hiring Jose Mourinho when he was, you know, Champions League winner Jose Mourinho, not Man United washout Jose Mourinho. I mean, we're willing to spend a lot of money. Yeah. I I mean, I guess if you're... Tuchel already got hired, so I guess that guy is... is Nagelsmann, right?
1: Yeah, right, yeah. I,
2: I mean, that's the only other manager at a big club. I mean, unless you... Want Zidane, which I can't imagine why you would. I mean, I, I was trying to think of like Real Madrid castoffs.
0: Lopetegui just feels like a very span like much bigger in Spain than he is outside of it. I don't know why you want to pry him out of Sevilla. He's
2: not good. He's
0: decent. I mean, He's doing a decent job at Sevilla, but like so much of that's Monchi's system. It's kind of
2: hard to tell. We'll probably we'll probably get like Gareth Southgate or something dumb. Oh um, God, I hadn't even thought of that. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, why isn't he on the betting market? No, don't.
1: Look at Jonathan Woodgate after he gets Burnmouth promoted.
2: Is he is he managing Burnmouth? I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, he's their caretaker manager right now. Oof. Oh, jeez. I, I, you know, look, I, I just...
0: I, I, just I like think the interesting it. test of what you're saying, Brian, is actually, I don't think he's a manager on the tier that you're talking about, but like, if Rosa really is being targeted by Dortmund, if we could sort of gazump them, for lack of a better term. I, I'm curious if we have...
2: That kind of juice. I mean, that is the kind of juice that we should have. Like, that is the kind of juice that Jose or, or, or that that Daniel Levy envisages having. It's the kind of juice that, like, three seasons ago we definitely had. And now Jose Mourinho has not only taken the juice from us on the pitch, but now off the pitch. And I don't know. I think there is, in terms of hiring another manager, it's like they had Jose
0: Mourinho. Yeah, he suck. They're willing to pay Jose Mourinho, so they'll be willing to pay me. I mean,.
2: Yeah, but 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 you know I'm not I'm not anti Hasan you know the nine nils, aren't going to put me off of it. I I think, like we've already said, there's something to think about. Like why did that happen? Like that's that's a, certainly a question. Um, but I I can't imagine that he wouldn't put together something coherent if we brought him in. You know, in the next month. So no one here wants to see
0: David Moyes at Spurs. Definitely not.
2: Not a chance.
0: <laughs> All right. On that note, I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, Brian, where can people find you on the internet?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y.
0: Benjamin, where can people find you on the internet?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Comrade Spurs.
0: You can find me on Twitter at Skipjack 79 and of course, you can find our podcast on Twitter at WDR, as in Wheeler Deal Radio. WDR Podcast. Please check us out and also leave us that nice five star review. Hopefully, we have a new manager to talk about at our next podcast, although I doubt we're quite that lucky. For Ben, for Brian, uh, and of course, for Brett Rainbow, I have been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs, please fire Jose Mourinho. Come on, you Spurs, fire Jose Mourinho. Good night.